What is up, my love? Welcome to the Love Stands Here podcast. I'm your host, Megan Brianna from lovestandshere.com, and I'm a life coach, a certified eating psychology coach, but most of all, I'm just a girl who really loves Jesus and has spent a lot of time learning how to not only discover my worth through Him, but also how to cultivate the characteristics that we're called into in order to live a healthy and purposeful life of love and service. My friend, living in the world can be really tough, and all too often we're taught beliefs and given messages by a broken society that make us feel like we're never enough and our worth is only skin deep. But I'm here to share some good news. Your worth is not in the world, but in God's beautiful word. So if you're looking for encouragement to live and love better, you're in the right place. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends if you feel called, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Love ya. I don't know if you're a country music fan, but Morgan Wallen is a country artist that I like. And the last couple of years, he's had a lot of media attention for his public drunkenness and partying and saying some things that he should not have said. And he just released a song on Friday called Don't Think Jesus. And as soon as I heard it, the first time I heard it, it wrecked me. Like I literally, I started bawling. And I've had it on repeat all weekend. And the reason why it's so powerful to me is because he talks about his story, partying and chasing women and drugs and alcohol and stuff since he became an artist and how Jesus has woken him up. And I don't know his story. I don't know what his relationship with Jesus is or what that's going to look like. But there are so many powerful words in that song that line up exactly with what I went through, like how at one point he just got so lonely and down and he had nobody to turn to and he just started praying and Jesus woke him up. And in the chorus, he says, if I was you, I'd say to hell with you. There's no helping you. Find someone else to give heaven to. I'd shame me. I'd blame me. I'd make me pay for my mistakes but I don't think Jesus does it that way. And holy cow, <laughs> I just, I, can't, I, I seriously can't listen to that song without crying, I swear, because it's just a testament to how wonderful Jesus is. And when we live of the world and we get into this stuff like partying, which is exactly what society tells us is normal, it's normal. It's not going to hurt you. This is what everybody does. This is what you should be doing. And we feel that tug inside us and we feel that tug of war, that resistance like, okay, I'm doing this because it's what everybody's telling me I should be doing. But then I start to feel like crap and how we shame ourselves and we just fall into this huge pit of guilt and condemnation. But we continue to do it because we don't have any other compass. But when we find Jesus, he comes to us with arms wide open and says, it's okay, no matter what you've done, you are still welcome here. And I still love you. Just turn to me, follow me, and things will be better. And it's always really amazing to me to see somebody who has struggled so much so recently find Jesus. And just, I I think that part of becoming a Christian or discovering Jesus, that very beginning part where you're saved is the most powerful thing in the world to talk to people about 
because it literally takes you from destruction to life. It takes you from having this restrictive life of slavery to the world and what the world tells you is normal to this life of freedom. And I know it's really hard to see Christianity that way. It's really hard to see having a relationship with God that way because we've been taught by so many religions that loving God is being a slave to God and having to follow all these laws and fit into all these boxes. But that's not what a true relationship with Jesus is. It's the exact opposite. Somebody, I think my pastor actually once said the difference between what real freedom is and what we believe freedom to be is that true freedom is freedom from sin. And the freedom we know is freedom to do things. And the freedom from sin is the kind of freedom we want because it's actually the world that chains us to all of these things that make us feel terrible and cause destruction. And when we start walking in relationship with Jesus, we actually start to understand what true freedom looks like. And we are freed from those chains that those boxes that the world puts us in. You know, you have to look this way. You have to do this thing to be cool. You have to have this job to be successful. You have to have this amount of money to attract people, all kinds of stuff. None of this is true. And when we know Jesus, we we begin to understand that. And that's when we're free. And that's when just being ourselves is enough. And there is no greater freedom. And this is coming from a girl who, just like Morgan Wallen, was a slave to chasing men, trying to get acceptance from men. Of course, he was women, but I was a slave to alcohol. I wasn't an addict, but I definitely used it and abused it. I was a slave to partying, and now I I, I don't feel like I have to use those things to cope anymore. I stay as far away from them as possible. In my journey, I have definitely slipped back a few times, but holy cow, I can't even tell you if I do it, the times that I've done it, the way I feel after is so much worse because the closer you get to God, the more you realize that those things, how much those things separate you from God and his love. And it just, it feels so, so awful. So continuing to walk this path is so freeing. And I just loved hearing that song. I haven't read anything about it. Um, if there are any articles about it, why he wrote it, whatever, I'll have to check that out. But seemingly, it's his testimony. And so listening to this song has, again, just reminded me how powerful it is to share your testimony. And some, there's just been, uh, you know, the whole TikTok thing. I'm seriously getting all my, <laughs> my content from TikTok conversations. I've just been so, that platform has been so bizarre for me. And it's so different than any other social media platform I've ever been on, but it has blessed me so much. Man, the true, like, I have a deep relationship with God and Jesus Christian community over there is incredible. And I'm just, I've met some amazing people already and I'm just so blessed by it. But conversations we've had over there, I've just been, you know, there is a side of 
the Christian TikTok community where it is based in, in legalism and religion. And, you know, so I had just been feeling confused. And again, like, am I doing this whole thing right? And I had so many, so much confirmation from people that yes, it's about relationship, just keep doing what you're doing. And don't worry about those people that are like dead set on arguing over scripture and all of that. So with all of that, and hearing this song, I just felt very moved to share my testimony again. So I'll start by saying that I was raised by my mom and my grandmother and I had the best upbringing, but I did grow up without a dad. I don't know who my dad is. And so my first male teachers were little boys that told me that they would only go out with me if I lost weight. So that's when I developed the belief that my body was where my value lied. My appearance is what would make me valuable to a man. And when you add everything that society teaches you about having relationships where it's about romance and it's about how you feel and it's about how attracted you are to each other and men only like women that look a certain way all of that just it confirmed that belief that my worth was in my appearance so I grew up that way I got into diet culture when I was like 13 and started focusing on trying to make my body shrink and all of that. And it got really bad when I went to college and I gained, I think, 25 pounds because I was so depressed. And so I started, I really started like working out and like trying to eat perfectly. And it wasn't from a place of love. It was from a place of fear. And I developed body dysmorphia. And I really started to develop disordered eating patterns because that's what happens when you diet um, from a place of fear instead of from a place of love. And when you're doing it because society is telling you that your body's a problem and also the solution to your problem. That is not a way to go about health and eating in your body whatsoever. And, um, you know, that I actually started coaching with this whole thing around your body and food and stuff. And I could do a million podcasts on that. And I'm sure I'll go into it more at a later date. But anyway, so in my 20s, in my early 30s, I just, I had relationships. I had one really good relationship. I had moved to Arizona in from Vermont in 2009 after a very toxic relationship. It was my first relationship with somebody that straight up has narcissistic personality disorder And I had never met anybody like that before. So I didn't understand it. And I didn't think that it was a thing that was possible. So I kept thinking that I was the problem. Like, I must just be making this up because how could anybody actually be like this? And his family was like supporting him and it was just awful. And it was traumatizing. And I moved to Arizona to get away from this person. (laughs) And I ended up in a really great relationship with somebody that I screwed up because I was still so damaged from that relationship before and I left him and then after that I just ended up in this cycle of either when I was single I was partying and I was having one night stands or I would find somebody to get into a relationship with and they ended up being very toxic and or manipulative and or narcissistic and while I was in Arizona I worked at a an aerospace manufacturing company and the, my boss there was a sociopath and and I'm not just throwing out like um, personality disorders because I feel like it these these truly I don't know what did I just be, I guess because I have such a big heart and I am an empath and I have so much mercy it's one of my spiritual gifts 
um, I just really attracted very, very damaged men. And so my boss at the company I worked for, I was one of the few people he liked. And it was, I mean, it was awful. Like I was there for seven and a half years. And I think I saw over a hundred people in and out of employment there because either he fired them for some stupid reason or they left because he was so awful. But he loved me and I held on to that. And I started to see him as like a father figure slash mentor, which is crazy because he was not not a good person at all. And then at the end of my time there, he told me he was in love with me and that really screwed me up, especially with all of my my trauma from before that. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times I got into relationships. I ended up in relationships with toxic men to get out of situations with other toxic men. And it's just a whole thing. And as I continue to walk in this ministry, I will share more and more and come at all of this from different perspectives. But so when I left this place, I was still in contact with my boss because I was letting him help me financially, which I was just, I was really screwed up. But I ended up getting into a relationship in 2017 with the kind of narcissist that I have never, I just can't even, I can't even explain. If you have never experienced somebody with narcissistic personality disorder, like if you've never been in a relationship with one, it's very hard to explain. But it is awful. And I ended up basically losing my identity in that relationship. And I moved in with him and I had no job and I was trying to build a coaching business. And so he was helping me out financially, which is crazy because most of my life I've been the one I've been taking care of myself and I've been the one helping other people out. But I, like I said, I just got so lost in that relationship and I became dependent on him. And then in August of 2018, he told me that I needed to leave because he wasn't in love with me anymore. Just straight face, just like so matter of factly, like I don't even care. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on? And so I was like, I'm going to go home and take a, let's just take a breather. So I came home to visit my mom And we were going back and forth about it. And then he finally said, yeah, you need to come home and pack up your stuff and leave. And I had nothing. I had, I barely had any friends anymore because, um, I had isolated myself so much just to make sure that he was happy and I had no money. And the only option for me was to come home, uh, back to Vermont and move back in with my mom at 32. And so he drove me across country and that was awful And really it had gotten to the point where it was, I was so stressed out all the time. I was sleeping 16 hours a day. I could barely, little things like brushing my teeth were nearly impossible. Like the thought of brushing my teeth made me cry. I wasn't taking care of myself well. I wasn't showering as much as I needed to. Um, I had started, I'd never had trouble with acne and I have, I actually have a couple pictures. I started developing this, all of this acne around my face and my mouth and I would get really swollen at the end of that relationship. Uh, anytime he like started attacking me, my hands and my feet and my ankles would swell up like crazy and it was just really bad. It was really bad. I ended up moving back home and the first six months I was home, I was basically in bed crying every day. And I would 
stay up until two or three in the morning because I was so scared to fall asleep because I I didn't want to wake up and I didn't want to have to get through another day of just trying to make it. (laughs) Um, I couldn't work because I was so like mentally and emotionally unstable. I didn't even want to be outside around people because I was scared of everybody, especially men. I lost my identity. It was just, it was awful. I can't even explain it, but it was definitely the darkest period of my life. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was next. And I was desperate to get back to Arizona. I was so upset that I was 32 and I had to move back in with my mom after having taken care of myself, having my own place, having my own life for nine years and moving back in with my mom. And, you know, culture will tell you that there's something wrong with you if that happens and you're lazy and you're weak and, you know, you got to figure it out and just tough it out. And let me tell you something, that is not the way to go, especially not if you are going through something like that, a depression like that. You have to, who cares? Who cares about your credit score? (laughs) Who cares what everybody else says? You have to take care of you. You have to focus on your mental and emotional health. I'm sorry. That's what I had to do. And it, I had ended up having to sacrifice a lot of the things that the world will tell you are important. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm in a much, much better place mentally, emotionally, and obviously spiritually and physically, even though there are a lot of parts of my life that still need work and don't look like society will teach you is normal. Like I, I still live with my mom and you know what? It's just where I am right now. It's not where I'm going to be for the rest of my life, but I finally gotten to a point where I'm okay with it and it's wonderful. And you know, it's such a blessing. And you know, part of the process for me has been changing my mindset from being worried about trying to fit into the world and trying to keep up with the Joneses and focusing all, on all the all the things that I don't have to focusing on my blessings and all the things that God has given me. And if one of them is having an incredible relationship with my mother and feeling loved by an act, like the kind of love that my mom has is the kind of love that I never expected that I could experience on this earth. But anyway, again, it's one of those things that when you're still a part of the world, you don't appreciate. So I was still, I was still like, I have to get back to Arizona and I refused to unpack because of that reason. Because, you know, psychologically I was like, well, if I unpack, it's a symbol that I am staying here and I don't want to stay here. So I'm going to keep my stuff packed up and that'll make me feel better because, it'll make me feel like I still have a chance of going back to Arizona. That's the only way that I can think to explain it. Okay, so this is the moment that Jesus saved me. I was in bed one night and I was crying and I was in so much pain and it was manifesting physically and I was feeling it in my chest and I felt like I had a ton of bricks on my chest. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I was exhausted. I was hopeless and discouraged. And up until that point, I grew up Episcopalian. And so I knew God and I knew about Jesus. But then after my grandmother died when I was 12, I got away from it. And then my best friend passed away. She got into a car accident in 2008. And so I kind of got away from the idea of God even more. And when I started stepping into the coaching world, a lot of that world is inundated with Uh, new age spirituality. So I started getting interested in that. So that's kind of where I was as far as spirituality when I moved back home. 
And, you know, even though I was very caught up in the world, I still was very interested in psychology and emotional health and stuff. And I got my associates in psychology and then I got my certification as a eating psychology coach. And I just, I always knew there was something deeper. I just didn't know. I learned about the something deeper through new age spirituality and through the world. And, um, you know, all of that is limited. So you get a bunch of uh, resources for your for your tool belt and they all sound great and they all seem to be helping you but none of it actually gets you to your actual freedom and your actual healing because none of it is Jesus so I had all these tools in my tool belt that I was trying to use to get through this depression one night like I said I was just laying there and I was just in so much pain and I just started praying and I was like God I don't know if you're real but I don't know what to do I can't I can't do this anymore. I can't feel this way. I don't want to wake up in the morning. And I had this overwhelming, all of a sudden, this overwhelming calmness and just peace just wash over me. And that heaviness on my chest went away. And I started to breathe better. And I I just started to feel so peaceful. And I just felt so deeply. You know, this was nighttime. It wasn't in the morning. It was nighttime felt so deeply that I needed to get up and start unpacking my stuff in my closet. So I got up and I went to my closet and I I had had no energy before this and I just all of a sudden had so much energy. And I went to my closet and I picked up a bag that I had had for years that was very sturdy and it had a bunch of books in it and the corner of the bag ripped. Never had a problem with this bag before. The corner of the bag ripped and one book fell at my feet. And it was a book I had bought a few years before that I never read, but it's called Writing Down Your Soul by Janet Connor. And it has an owl on the front of it. And sorry if I get emotional because I always get a little emotional talking about my testimony. But I picked it up and I started reading it that night. And basically this book is about, it's about journaling to connect to your soul at a deeper level. And it's not a Christian book. Uh, She writes, so basically you journal, the way you journal is like you're writing a letter to a higher power. And she encourages you to write, dear universe, dear self, dear soul, dear God, or whatever you believe in. So this is not a Christian book. This is not write to God. This is write to whatever higher power you believe in. And I just want to make a note that this is what God used to bring me to him. He met me where I was and he took something that I already had, a resource that I already had that was in a language that I was comfortable with because it offered me the opportunity to potentially connect to the universe or just focus on myself and that's not what the Bible will tell you to do. You know, the Bible tells you there is no, nothing else to worship. There is no other idol. You know, you're not going, you don't worship yourself. You don't worship the universe. You worship God. And yet God used this book that had the language of you can pray to Buddha, you can pray to the universe, whatever, to get me to him. So I just want to make a note of that because I think a lot of times when we get into the Christian culture, we make it very hard for people to want to know Jesus because we don't meet them where they are and we we don't remember that they don't speak the language of Christianity yet and it's very hard for people to 
go from zero to 60. You know, there's an island A and there's an island B. Island A is where people are. Island B is where Jesus is. And we have to help people understand how to get from one to the other. And it can't just be by throwing scripture at them because they're not going to understand it because that's not their language. And yes, there are scriptures in the Bible about this, but I can't remember exactly what they are. (laughs) But anyway, so God used that book, dropped it at my feet, and I started journaling. And at first, I think it was Dear Soul. And then I just started feeling like I needed to write Dear God. And then, you know, crazy things started happening. Like, for example, so my mom believes in God and she's had a relationship with him for a while, but wasn't super strong, but she would watch sermons on TV in the morning. Um, and one of the pastors she liked was Joel Osteen. And I know if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you're going to be like, Oh no, prosperity gospel, whatever. But, uh, my mom is very, my mom has a very close relationship with God and she bears the fruit of the spirit every day of her life in an incredible way. Um, but she used to, she would, watch them early. And, you know, when I was going through this process, I was like, because I wasn't falling asleep until two or three in the morning, I wasn't getting up until 11 or 12 the next day. And I didn't want to get out of bed anyway. But after I started doing this journaling, I would, all of a sudden I started waking up like at seven and it was like the TV was louder or something and I could hear it. And I would wake up to these Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer sermons And I still love Joyce Meyer, by the way. And I would be moved to go out and watch. And I would sit there and I would watch with my mom. And see, here's the thing. Just like God dropped that book at my feet that wasn't super in alignment with Christianity uh, and the Word. The whole thing about the Joel Osteen sermons was that, you know, they're very, you know, this is going to happen for you. Everything's going to be okay. That is what I was getting out of it. And it was motivational and before this, I was very used to watching like motivational speeches and I was very into personal development and everything, you know, um, Tony Robbins and all of that stuff. So that spoke to me and it was the motivation that I needed. And it was like every time I heard one of his sermons, he was speaking directly into something that I was struggling with um, an intrusive thought or whatever that I was struggling with that I really needed to hear. And I just needed that motivation. It was just like, basically for me, the whole message, every time I heard him was everything's going to be okay. God is going to lift you out of this and everything is going to be okay. And that's what I needed to hear. And since then, I, I don't watch him anymore, whatever, you know, I've grown in my Christian walk and I just, his stuff doesn't feel in alignment to me anymore. But so After that, I started getting more curious and I started looking up sermons. And then, of course, with the algorithm on social media, once you start Googling something or once you start looking something up on social media, you will get pelted with all kinds of stuff uh, in relation to whatever it is you searched for, right? So once I started looking up sermons, I started to get pelted with all kinds of Christian stuff. And it was like everything that came to me was exactly what I needed. And I know that wasn't by accident. And then I, somebody in one of his sermons mentioned the YouVersion Bible app and I downloaded that. And I started on that with devotionals, which was, which I thought was great because I wasn't ready to dig into the word on its own because I still didn't understand that language. But the devotionals for me were like, 
um, personal development books, all of the personal development books that I had been reading. So you look up something that you're struggling with, anxiety, loneliness, relationships, whatever, and you can find a devotional that helps you work through that based on scripture. So I started to learn about scripture by reading things that related to what I was struggling with. And so that got me more interested in scripture. And then I get a Bible. So it it was this process of leaning more into God. And as I started journaling, I you know, as I was journaling and I was doing this consistently every single day for at least 3 months. A lot of my journal entries were, God, I hate you. Like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you so evil? And then I had other ones that were like, wow, you really comforted me today. And I started, and I did, I started to feel more and more comforted and more and more at peace um, with all of these resources that God was placing in front of me. And it was just so wonderful because he was doing it in a way that didn't make me feel like he was forcing me to love him. It felt like he was giving, he was opening a door for me to learn to love him. But he also knew that, again, I didn't understand that language yet. So he needed to show me through things that I was already comfortable with that would eventually lead me to the truth. Um, You know, just, I was just a baby at it and I still am a baby Christian, but I, the thing about the Bible is once I started reading it, I started to feel for the first time in my life, like everything that I believed in when I grew up that I got away from because it felt so different from the world and I felt like I was wrong. Like wanting to love people and having empathy for people and forgiving people easily and all of this. All of those things are they're, they're characteristics of Jesus. But because I didn't know Jesus, I was doing that stuff without boundaries. Um, so I got hurt a lot. And then again, being forgiving and being loving and not wanting to gossip about people and wanting to include everybody when I was younger and having the girls around me be the opposite of that, just like very petty and stuff. I thought that I was wrong because I had no idea about Jesus. Not really, not in the way that I needed to. So I got away from that. So when I started reading the Bible again, a few years ago, everything just made sense to me. I was like, oh my gosh, like the love that I've had in my heart and the kindness that I've had and the empathy and, you know, the mercy, the grace, all of that, that I had when I was younger that I got away from, that I shoved down is right. And all of these things that I'm reading in scripture make sense. And for the first time in my entire adult life, I didn't feel wrong as a person. And that was the most powerful thing in the world. And from that, I just, I kept talking to God and I kept experiencing his miracles and his peace and his comfort in those moments that I wanted to die, really. And, um, you know, I had a lot taken away from me. I I had all of my resources stripped from me. You know, like I said, I wasn't working for six months and I didn't have any money. And, you know, my mom was taking care of me at 32. And so, you know, it was a lot. And I just had to spend all of that time completely in isolation with God. And it was so hard, but also so beautiful at the same time because I had never experienced that kind of deep healing in my life. And I just knew this is, this is legit. This is something that's going to take me somewhere. I don't know where it's going to take me, but you know, I can just feel that I'm finally moving in the right direction. 
and since then my life has changed drastically. I, um, I've healed from codependency. I still have a few codependent tendencies, but I don't feel controlled by it anymore. And I know to turn to God and I don't struggle with anxiety anymore. And I don't struggle with depression anymore. And I don't struggle with body dysmorphia anymore, which is a crazy thing because I started to heal work on healing from that at the end of 2017. And I did a lot of work in that area. And it wasn't until I really developed a relationship with Jesus that I've been able to heal in that space because the resources that they give you in the world to heal from body dysmorphia still it's more of like a learning to be positive about your body but the problem is is it still uh, directs your focus on your body and that isn't a way to actually heal from body dysmorphia the only way to actually heal from that is to learn that your worth comes through God and if you don't know that it's all about it continues to be all about you and control and if you're still focused on controlling your life and controlling things in your life you're never going to be able to um, get your focus off your body but anyway through my relationship with God I've been able to heal from these things that I was stuck in no matter how hard I tried to heal from them and it's just been incredible and I've met the most amazing people God has put the most amazing people in my life I have friendships the kind of friendships that I never could have imagined having. I have the best relationship with my mother. Um, We're closer than ever, and it's just such a loving relationship. I've started to think more about other people and how I can be of service to other people instead of focusing on how I can get more things. Um, And I'm really getting better at bearing the fruit of the Spirit, but I will tell you that All of this stuff can easily go downhill if I do not have God in my life. Like if I'm not inviting the Holy Spirit into my life daily. Like for example, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And as long as I'm inviting the Holy Spirit into my life, I have more self-control than I ever thought possible. But if I start to disconnect from that Spirit, if I start to disconnect from God, I am apt to fall back into temptation, into the things that I used to use to cope, like drinking, going to bars, seeking attention from men. It does happen. And it has happened to me a few times, but I'll tell you what, the more I do it and when it happens and I feel disconnected from God, the less I want, like no matter how hard life gets, the more I remember how awful I felt after I fell backwards and how disconnected from God I felt. And I just, I would rather long suffer through the discomfort of letting God prune me than fall back into old worldly habits because that feels so much worse than the discomfort of growth through my relationship with God, if that makes sense. So Without the Holy Spirit, it is easy to fall back into old patterns. And yes, you heal. You grow and you heal with God. Um, the process of sanctification is is growing in your relationship with God, but you can still fall backwards if you disconnect. So it's really important to invite the Holy Spirit into your life every day and make, and make sure that you're focused on God. As long as you keep your focus on God... Everything else good happens as a side effect. Um, so that's been that's been my journey. I just 
the healing that he provided me with was so powerful. I could never believe that he doesn't exist because it, I couldn't have gotten through that without him. And it was just a matter, at the beginning, it was just a matter of talking to him and the comfort that he gave me that I really, really needed. The peace that he gave me that I really, really needed. And it's just been amazing. So, you know, I I know I'll talk more about this and the process and what I've discovered and what I've experienced in my relationship with God. That's what this whole thing is about. But that's where I'm going to end with that. And so anyway, going back to the whole Morgan Wallen song, it's just so amazing. It's so amazing that somebody who has such a big platform as a person of the world is coming out and sharing that he understands that there is a difference between what he has been doing in his life and what Jesus can do in your life. And it's like he understands that what he's been doing is really, really destructive and that Jesus is the answer. And I love that. I love that he has such a big platform and that Jesus is doing his work in him to share with all of these people. So I would highly recommend going and checking that out. Even if you don't like country music, just listen to the words, Uh, especially if you're like me and you've been through something similar. It is really, really powerful. So that's what I've got for this week. And if you uh, answered my little question sticker on Instagram and you wanted me to answer questions, I know there was one about going in depth about my struggle with relationships. And I will talk more about that in the next episode or the one after that, I promise. Uh, This has already been super, super long, so I'm going to cut it. But I hope this encourages you. You know, if you're a Christian and you've been in a weird place with God, just keep keep focusing on your relationship with him. And even if you're not hearing him, you will. I promise, because I've gone through the hills and valleys too. I constantly do. But just keep focusing. He's doing his work, even if it's behind the scenes. And if you are not a Christian, um, I hope this encourages you that there is healing available to you and legalism isn't actually a thing you know our focus is never meant to be on following a set of laws our focus is meant to be on having a relationship with God and letting him do his work in us and from there the laws in the bible end up being written on our heart they just happen as a side effect the the things that God tells us are going to make us feel awful and the things that God tells us are morally wrong get written on our heart and it just happens as a side effect that we want to follow those things and it's a beautiful it doesn't feel restrictive it doesn't feel like we're you know shoved into this box and we can't do anything it actually feels like freedom and um, but that's something that you realize after you start to build a relationship with the Lord so I hope this encourages you and I love you That's all for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. And hey, if you don't mind, would you do me a favor and rate, review, and share this message with somebody if you feel like it hit home so we can get these messages out to more people. And also, you can go over to lovestandshere.com if you want to check out my blog posts. And also, if you would like to contact me, if you have any questions or comments or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, you can head on over there. You can also follow me at love underscore stands underscore here on Instagram. I hope you have a great week. I love you and I will talk to you next week. Bye.